Good morning, everyone. Oh, man, I went to the left and to the right. My wife was not cooperating, so I ran into her a few times. Pray for her. But, um, man, so good to see everybody. Um, as Matt said earlier, this morning we get to baptize 10 people in this service, and we cannot wait to get to that portion um, of the service. Uh, before we do that, though, we are in the middle of a, a series of messages that we are um, calling Jesus Uncensored. And in this series, we're looking at one of Jesus, in fact, Jesus' most famous sermon that he ever gave, a sermon that's um, now known as the Sermon on the Mount. And in this sermon, by the way, Jesus says some pretty difficult um, things. He says some things that are pretty hard to um, understand. He says some things which are pretty hard to live out. But we want to talk about these difficult things because we believe, we're convinced, if Jesus says it, no matter how hard it is, it is ultimately going to be for our good. In fact, it's ultimately going to help us to become the kinds of people that we would want to be. If somebody asked us, hey, what kind of person do you ultimately want to be? It's the kind of person that we actually end up being by leaning into some of the most difficult things Jesus says. And um, so today, on Baptism Sunday, we thought, hey, let's talk about lying. That's so awesome, and it's going to encourage everybody, uh, make everybody feel really special. Um, no, I'm lying. But anyway, so we're going to talk about that a little bit, and then we get to celebrate some baptisms, and the band's going to come out a little bit later, and we're going to party and see if I can convince my wife uh, to dance a little more. But um, in, in the meantime, um, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. Feel free to, to turn there uh, now. If you don't have a copy of the Bible, no worries. Uh, the verses will be up on the screen, and you can follow along that way. By the way, if you don't own a physical copy of the Bible, um, we actually have your copy waiting for you out at the connection corner right outside those back doors. And uh, we'll be glad to hand you one. If you go back and just say, I need a Bible, our gift to you. So please um, do that if you don't... Um, own a physical copy. Um, for those of you I don't know, my name is Kondo, and I get to serve as one of the pastors here at Mission Point. Um, a little bit about me. Um, when I was in high school, uh, there were just a lot of things I was not really good at. Um, a pretty long list of things I just wasn't good at. I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, I wasn't good at, for instance, school. For instance, I was, I was no good at it. I wasn't good at, at homework and, and things of that sort. I wasn't good at being nice. Um, that wasn't something I was really good at. Um, I wasn't good at listening to my parents too well. I wasn't good at that. So really, the moral of the story is, hey, kids, do not be like me when you're in, in high school. But there were a couple of things I was really great at. I don't mean to brag. I'm just being honest on a week when we're talking about, about lying. But I was good at a couple of things. One thing I was really good at was pig Latin. Now, um, if, if you don't own a what that is, listen, I don't know what to tell you, and I'm not going to give away too many secrets. You know how parents like to spell things so that their kids don't understand that they're about to be in timeout? 
Well, Pig Latin was kind of like our kids' way of spelling, so our parents don't know what was going on. Again, don't be like me when you're in high school, but Pig Latin is this made-up language where you take English words and you jumble letters and, and you move portions you know, from the end to the beginning and you add things, and before you know it, it's not recognizable, and you can have a full-fledged conversation in front of somebody who doesn't have a clue what you're saying and feel really good about yourself. So I was good at Pig Latin. Another thing I was really, really good at was something uh, that my friends and I called the language. <laughs> oh, man. We were awesome, and I was so good at it. I feel like I should be a professor. Now, for any of you who don't know what that is, that's actually good. But since we're all friends, I'm going to let you in on this. I'm going to explain it one time, and then no one's allowed to tell anybody else what this is. But here's what it is. The difference, in case you didn't know, between the word do and the word don't is, yeah. So um, not only is the difference between the words do and don't at the end, it's just a shortening of the word not, then actually makes do the complete opposite. Right? I mean, it used to be do, and then you said, and then it became the completely opposite word. <laughs> oh, man. We mastered this because we figured out eventually that if you add to anything, it became the opposite of that thing. Oh, we became really good at this. And so eventually, there was a group of us who knew this super secret, sneaky language that we would use by adding it to the end of anything, and it made whatever we said ah, the opposite. It didn't count. It didn't matter. And it didn't matter if you understood we were doing it or if you knew what it was. As long as we said, we knew that we were in the clear. This got really, really bad, by the way. Because after a while, it didn't even matter if I said there or if I went home four hours later, got into my room and said, it didn't. It was the same thing. <laughs> this got real. So here's the reality. We lived like this, and we believed that we had invented a sneaky way to get around telling the truth. Because technically, we weren't lying because I said, no, I, no, I like you. No, no, seriously, we'll be there right at 8.35, right? And no one had a clue what we were doing. I didn't take it. We got really good at it. Or we would say, no, no, seriously, no, seriously, it's me and you forever. And then I'll get home. And as long as I said that at some point, God heard me, it didn't matter whether you heard me or you didn't, I didn't lie. Did I lie? No, I didn't lie. Because I said that and saying that made whatever I said the opposite of what I said. And after a while, it got so exhausting because none of us knew when anybody else was actually telling the truth or when they were going to go home and be like, you know. And if, if I seriously had a dollar for every dollar I lost to one of my friends who said they would pay me back, I would be able to afford a Latin pig and teach it to speak English. But it was crazy. But anyway, we thought that we had figured out a way to get around telling the truth. And we thought we were super special and super original. So guess how disappointed I was when I opened the pages of Scripture and figured out that there were some churchy folks who had been doing this thing for years. 
before we even got there. And it's in fact to those people that Jesus gives his response. He lets us in on what he thinks about this. And you're going to see how this connects to all of us here in a second. But look, this is uh, Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 32. No, starting at verse 33. (laughs) Right? It gets exhausting. You don't want to live in that world. You know, people thought they were dating for six months, and they weren't. So anyway, I'm just telling you, don't, don't, don't do that. All right, uh, verse 33, here's what it says. And we'll stop to just make some observations as we try to get a sense of, of what Jesus is saying. Again, verse 33, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. Now, an oath um, was like a, a promise with a wager. Um, that's, that's what an oath was. It's like if I say to you, I will, I, I'll give you $14 if I'm lying. I'm telling the truth. If I'm lying, I'll give you $14. Now I'm trying to tell you the truth and adding a wager to it. I'm adding insurance to it. I'm adding a backup to my words. I promise on my house it's true, which means if I'm lying, you get to keep my house. So if I really wanted somebody to believe what I was saying, I would add um, or I would bet something significant to give my words a little more weight, to make my words um, a little more believable. And so Jesus starts by saying, you guys know that God has said, do not break your oaths. Do not lie. Do not break your promises. Do not break your Vows, if you make a promise, if you make a pledge, God would say you keep it every time. If you swear to do something, Jesus says you know you are never to back out of it. You are to follow through with what it is that you said. Here's the thing, though. In that context, to make a promise or an oath, or a vow only counted if I said the words, I swear to God. If you say those words, I swear to God, you had now promised, you had now vowed, you had now made an oath, you had now invited God as the insurance. God was now the backup to what you were saying. And by saying, I swear to God, that was your way of saying, may God do his absolute worst to me if I'm not telling you the truth. May God do his absolute worst to me if I don't follow through on everything that I'm saying to you right now. That was how they made an oath. It counted if you said, I swear to God. And everyone would have agreed with Jesus. Yes, if you make an oath and if you swear, you are never to break your oath. Otherwise, you risk the judgment of God. And so you don't want to do that. (laughs) So you know what these smarty pants did? They did pretty much what we did when we were in high school. Um, they said, ah, hmm. <laughs> so if I don't make an oath, 
then I can't break an oath. <laughs> so if I don't make a promise, then technically I don't break the, the promise. And this got really, really bad. Because since it's only a promise, if I say the words, I swear to God. If I don't say those exact words, then it doesn't count. So they started, the brilliant people, they started to make these diet oaths, these calorie-free promises. You know, the ones that don't count. You can make as many of them as you want, and they don't take. They don't sit. They don't stick around. And, and by, the way they would do that, by the way, is they would get as close to making an oath as possible without actually making an oath. And so they would start to say stuff like this. I swear to heaven, I didn't do it. See how I didn't swear to God? I swore to heaven. And then all of the religious people who knew the inside code, the super secret language, they were all laughing like, oh my goodness, we totally got away with lying. But they don't know we're lying. But it doesn't matter whether they know we're lying or, 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 because really, technically, it's not a lie because I didn't say I swear to God. So God knows I'm good even if they don't. And they figured out that they had skirted telling the truth. I, I, I swear on God's green earth, I don't tan. You know, okay, see, see I, I swore on God's green earth. So, so technically, it's, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't count. And they would start to say all kinds of stuff like this. I swear on my life, I'm telling you the truth. I swear by the holy city of Jerusalem, we're exclusive. But inside they're laughing like, oh, we figured out a way because we didn't say I swear to God. So it doesn't technically count. And before you knew it, even this religious group didn't know, like, who's telling the truth really? Wait, did you swear to God? Say I swear to God. You know, and otherwise they would go around just deceiving and misleading each other. By the way, can you imagine? Like living like that, like doing stuff like that, like saying things like that and, and really thinking that it actually works. The answer is yes, because we do it all the time. Um, I'll give you an example. Like, you know how we sometimes would do like, right? Mm, my fingers were crossed though, mom, so technically I don't have to clean my room because I had my fingers crossed when I said, yes, I'll clean my room. So see, God knows what's behind my back, even if you don't know what's going on. So just because you thought I was going to clean my room, and we start to figure out these tricky ways to get around telling the truth. Or we say, mom, I, mom, I said I would, but I never promised. I never said the words, I promise. Yeah, girl, I told him, like, you know, sure, I'll marry you, but I didn't promise to marry him. So technically, it doesn't count. Or we'll say, you know, well, I didn't lie. I just skipped a whole glacier, avalanche, this massive chunk of the truth which led you to believe something that wasn't accurate. But I didn't lie to you. I just skipped 17 chapters of the truth. So technically, you know, God, that doesn't really count. Or, or we'll say stuff like that, like, I didn't sign a contract. But you told her you would do the work. 
Yeah, show me, show me my signature. I didn't sign a contract, therefore I'm not obligated to doing it. See, because this woman, she gave me the money without even signing a contract, and I didn't sign a contract. So I'm clear, I don't have to do what I said with my mouth because I didn't sign that contract. Oh, one of the big ones that we use a lot is the, oh, oh, okay, I know what I said, <laughs> but I was just joking. You were joking. The whole office evacuated. That's not funny. How were we? Well, it's not my fault if you thought I was telling you the truth when I knew in my heart, deep secret place, that I was joking. Because I've invented a super secret language all to myself called I'm joking, in which I can tell you whatever I want. And I don't care whether you believe it or not, because God knows. <laughs> in my room, I said, ha, because I was joking. I'm just saying we do it too. We figure out super sneaky ways to get around telling the truth and we excuse our lives. lies. And Jesus would say the same thing to us that he said to them. Stop playing. Stop it. You may be fooling the people around you and you are definitely fooling yourselves, but you are never fooling God. Anytime you do Anything to mislead somebody or to give somebody the wrong impression or to say something that you don't intend to do, heaven marks it as a breaking of an oath. Stop it. This game is not working in heaven. But look at the way Jesus approaches it because Jesus is brilliant. Verse 34. He says, but I tell you, do not swear an oath at all. See, you've heard it said, don't break an oath. But I'm telling you, next level, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is God's footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's God's, the city of the great king. Jesus is speaking about himself. And don't swear by your head, for you can't make even one hair white or black. Jesus says, stop it. Stop it. Now, you would think Jesus would say, hey, listen, yes. If you make a promise or a vow or an oath, make sure you keep it. And Jesus is saying, yeah, we all know that. But let me take it to another level and say, do not make an oath at all. Don't make an oath in the first place. Don't make an oath of any kind. Jesus is saying, do not swear at all. Don't put any backups to your words. Don't try and call down any insurance. Don't put any wagers on your words to give them more weight. Don't do it at all. And by the way, Jesus develops a pretty interesting argument, and we won't have too much time to talk about it, but here's what Jesus says. He says, don't swear at all. Don't swear to God or swear to Anything or on anything else at all. And he's telling these guys, you think you found a super secret trick, but you haven't. Because even though you are not swearing to God, you are still swearing on something that is his. In which case, you might as well be swearing to God. And Jesus goes through a sequence of examples. No, so, you, so no, we said, Tss. we had our fingers crossed. We didn't sign a contract. See, because see, we said, I swear to heaven. And Jesus says, heaven? Heaven's not yours. How can you swear on something that's not yours? How can you make a wager with something that's not yours? 
Heaven is God's house. Heaven is God's throne. That's where he sits. Well, I swear on God's green earth. I swear on, you got it right. It's God's earth. That's his ottoman. That's where he rests his feet. It's not yours. You have no right to swear, you know, to, to heaven. Well, then I swear on Jerusalem. That's Jesus' holy city. You don't own Jerusalem. It's not yours. You cannot bring it into the conversation as some kind of leverage or some kind of insurance. Well, okay, then I swear on my life. And Jesus is like, ah, it is not your life. You can't make one of your hairs gray, black, or white. You, and he's not talking about artificial stuff, people. But he's saying you cannot create a single hair on your head, which is evidence I created you. Therefore, that life is mine. I can take it whenever I want. So that's not yours to wager with. So even though you think we didn't swear on God, we swear or swore on a bunch of other things. Jesus will say, what thing are you going to swear on that doesn't belong to God anyway? Your money? I can take your money whenever I want. Even that's technically mine. So it is super presumptuous for you to be swearing on things that are not even yours. Do not make an oath by, by calling or claiming or inviting some leverage or some insurance. Jesus says, don't do that at all. All these years, you thought you were getting away with deceiving people, but God has always called it lying. Anytime from your heart you say something that's not accurate or you give someone the impression that's not true, you are lying. Anytime you start to swear and call things down, you are making an oath regardless because it all belongs to God. Jesus says, don't swear at all. Then he tells us what he wants from his followers. He tells us what he wants us to live like. And it's interesting because Jesus actually ends up painting a picture of the world you would want to live in and the world I would want to live in and the kind of family I want to be a part of and the kind of community I want to be a part of, a community in which truth reigns. Look at what Jesus says in verse 37. This is how he wraps up this conversation. He says, all you need to do is simply all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. All you need to say is simply, say this out loud, yes or no. It's that simple. See, the kids are always the first to get it. Thank you guys for being so bright and so smart. Yes or no. That's it. He says anything beyond this comes from the evil one. The evil one's not a super awesome guy. So Jesus says, do not swear on anything because it's not yours. It's technically God's, ultimately God's. But he says also, don't make oaths. And here's the point he's trying to make, do not swear, do not make oaths, because your word should be enough. You should not need anything to give your words weight. And we do this all the time. And even though we don't swear, you know some of the things we do that I'm trying to break out of doing? Okay, let me be honest. Uh, what have you been till now? Right? We do it all the time. Like, okay, seriously, though. Okay, I mean it this time. So have you not meant it the last 400 times? 
But Jesus is saying your word should be enough. You shouldn't need anything else to back up your words to make it true. And the point Jesus is making and the point I would love for all of us to walk out of with, out of here with, is simply this. We'll put it up on the screen. Jesus is saying, say what you mean and mean what you say. Let's say that together. And I know the kids will help me out on this. Say what you mean and mean what you say. That's the point that Jesus is making. You don't need to make an oath for insurance. You don't need to promise. You don't need to swear. You don't need to say seriously. You don't need to say, this time I'm telling you the truth. Just say what you mean and mean what you say. And the way Jesus communicates that, he says, just say yes or just say no. Keep it that simple. If you agree to do something, that should carry the same weight as if you said, I swear to God, and you signed 15 contracts. He's saying your yes should carry that much weight. It should be enough. And if you say no, that should carry that much weight, and that should be enough. If you say something is true, kids, it should be completely true. Yes, mom. Yes, dad. That's it. No, mom. No, dad. That's it. You don't have to start to promise or swear or say other things because your word should be enough. That's what Jesus is saying. And he doesn't care whether we sign a contract or or whether we just said we would do it. He wants us to do what we say and to mean what we say. It doesn't care if you crossed your fingers or if you told your parents, you know, you know, I swear. If you said, I'll clean my room, mom, that should be enough. If you said, yes, I will, that should be enough. And in heaven, and this is what Jesus would ultimately say, in heaven, every time I say, mm-hmm, it carries the same weight as if I'd made a thousand oaths. And Jesus is saying, and I, on earth, I wanted to carry the same weight as if you had made a thousand oaths and signed a thousand contracts. Let your word be enough. For my people, yes, should be enough. Now, let me say this really quickly before we wrap this section and get to um, party time here at Mission Point. Um, I don't think Jesus is opposed to us, you know, taking oaths when they're required of us. I'll give you an example. If I'm subpoenaed and I have to go to court or whatever the case might be, and they ask me, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth? I'll say, yes. But in that context, my yes is enough. But what I'm not going to do is go around telling people, hey guys, I swear to tell you the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. I swear, I swear, I swear. I'm not going around saying that. In the rest of my relationships, yes should be Enough, according to what Jesus is saying. By the way, a quick tip on on that, especially for those of us who are people pleasers, because I read stuff like this and I start to freak out. Why? Because I love to say yes, because I don't want to hurt people's feelings, or because I'm a people pleaser, I want to make people happy. And so then I end up, you know, committing to things before I've even checked or counted the cost, and then I get into these situations with like, I'm so overwhelmed, there's so much on my plate. Why? Because I gave out so many yeses, and the yeses I didn't really mean, and I didn't mean what I said and said what, what I meant. And so here I am in this difficult situation, and my wife loves me enough. She said, how did you get yourself in this mess? Well, because I said too many yeses that I didn't mean. And I wonder if Jesus wouldn't tell us, hey, buy time in those situations. Buy yourself some time. Um, That would be my recommendation. 
Because it is so important that you mean what you say and say what you mean and you do what you say, Jesus would say to you, if you're not sure whether or not you mean it, do not say it. You can always say to somebody, give me some time to think about that. Give me some time to process that. Give me some time to pray about that. Because when I say yes, I'm all in. When I say no, that's exactly what I want to mean. So I don't want to feel rushed to give you an answer that I end up having to back away from. I want my yes to be yes and my no to be no. So if I have to buy time on the front end, that should be a good practice. So kids, you can always tell your friends, let me ask my parents. Or let me think about it. And then I'll tell you. Because when I say yes. That's it. I want my word to be enough. And can you imagine if everywhere we went, we said yes, and that's what we meant? And can you imagine if Jesus' people followed through on their word? Because what the world really needs right now is a refreshing dose, a refreshing movement of people who say what they mean and mean what they say. It is such a restless time in our nation and in our world where no one is sure. Do you really mean that? Are you really going to follow through on that? Is that really the truth? Or are you hiding something? Or are you trying to play me somehow? How refreshing would it be if there was a movement of Jesus, people who rose up and said what they meant and meant what they said. I think something special would happen in our schools, something special would happen in our families, something special would happen even in our nation. And we cannot, please hear me, we cannot be looking to our political leaders to lead the way in being authentic truth tellers. Jesus says heaven is not looking at politics. Heaven is not looking at Washington, a Capitol Hill. Heaven is looking at the church. And Jesus is saying, no, I want my people to lead the way in bringing a fresh movement of truth-telling into the community, starting with kids in their schools, starting with dads and moms in their homes. Can you imagine what would happen if when a dad said, I'll play catch with you, that's exactly what he meant. And if he knew he couldn't, he shouldn't say it. Can you imagine if spouses actually started to meet it when she said, I'm fine. When he asked her, how are you doing? I'm fine. But ask me again. I'm fine. Ask me again. I'm fine. You don't look fine. I'm fine. You know, what would happen if we actually said what we meant and meant what we said? Don't ask me how those pants look on you. I don't want to have to answer that question. Ask me a different question because I want my yes to be yes and my no to be no. Um... Can you imagine if kids said to their parents what they meant and parents never had to worry, are my kids telling me the truth or are they not telling me the truth? Can you imagine? That's the world you want to live in. That's the world I know that I want to live in. I mean, can you imagine if friends said what they meant and meant what they said and they showed up where they said they would be and didn't show up where they didn't said they wouldn't be, whatever the case might be. Can you imagine if people in our workplaces started to meet the deadlines they said and to follow through on the contracts or whether they're verbal or whatever else the case might be. I'm just saying there would be something special and I think Jesus knows that. The world you want to live in is a world in which, not like my high school friends, we're constantly worrying about who's trying to pull one over on me. But there's just this belief that truth is happening. If we in business started to make, this is the quote, I'm not over-quoting, I'm not overstating it, I'm telling you exactly what I mean. I'm not trying to negotiate, I'm telling you the truth. Can you imagine what businesses with Christian leaders would look like if that's what we started to do. 
I think Capitol Hill would start to hear from us as we started this movement that Jesus would invite his people to be a part of. And imagine what would happen to the mission, because I wonder when Jesus shares this with his followers, if he doesn't know that I'm about to call you to carry the most meaningful, beautiful message of hope to the world, and this message is going to be carried by your words. And if people are going to believe the truth of the gospel of hope that you're sharing with them, how amazing would it be if they already believe the words you say because you have a culture and a tradition of saying what you mean and meaning what you say. So when you say Jesus will forgive you, they will believe it without even thinking twice about it. And if they don't, it's for other reasons, but not because our authenticity is in question. I wonder if Jesus isn't thinking about the mission when he shares this with his people. But ultimately, I wonder if Jesus isn't saying, say what you mean and mean what you say because that's what I am like. And I want you to be like me. And I want you to represent me in the world around you. And I am the kind of Savior who only ever says what I mean and I mean everything that I say. And I love that about Jesus. Jesus doesn't yell. Jesus doesn't scream. I'm yelling. Jesus doesn't. You know, Jesus doesn't swear this and swear that. He simply says what he means. I love this book, 66 books of what he means. And I wonder if Jesus is saying, I want you to be like me. My word is enough. And when we celebrate baptism here in a moment, that's exactly what we're celebrating. We are celebrating a bunch of lives that have been transformed by the yes of Jesus Christ. So wait a minute, Jesus, I have made a mess. Will you clean my mess? And Jesus would say what? Yes! I am so broken, will you mend me? And Jesus will say, yes! Yes! I have sinned. Will you please freely and fully forgive me? And Jesus every single time will say, yes. yes. Do I get to live with you in heaven forever and ever and ever and ever? And Jesus will say, our lives are completely different because of the yes of Jesus. He means what he says, and he says what he means. In fact, look at some of the things he says, and then we'll we'll, we'll advance with our party. Look at this, verse 18 of Isaiah chapter 1. It says, come now. Let's settle the matter, says the Lord. And some of you need to hear this. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Forgiven. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. That's it. Jesus means what he says. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he, Jesus, he, God, is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. That's what we're going to symbolize in baptism, by the way, as people go under the water. It's a picture of the old is gone and the new has come simply because Jesus meant what he said. And he said what he meant. And by the way, for anybody who's in this room who would say, my sins are weighing on me, Jesus, yes, is that he will forgive you if you ask him. For anyone who says, I'm broken and I need to be restored, Jesus says, I will make you new. That is my yes to you. And in baptism, we get to celebrate with a bunch of people who have leaned into Jesus, yes, to forgive their sins, yes, to restore them, yes, to make them new forever. And now they want to publicly tell everybody, I said yes to Jesus because he said yes 
to me. And we get to make some noise and we get to cheer with them. But I wonder if his invitation to us this morning isn't to be a movement of people who in the smallest of contexts that seem insignificant, we start to say what we mean and mean what we say. So that when we say the most meaningful things, they carry weight and they're believed. And and so that we get to paint a picture of what Jesus is like to the world around us. And because we want to honor the fact that God, nothing is ours, it's all yours. And so we're not going to bring it into the conversation. We just want to be authentic. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a movement of people who lean into the truth. Your truth, your word, your yes has forever changed us. And Lord, we pray that our world will be forever changed because our yes means exactly that. And our no means exactly that. And I pray from the kids in the room to the adults in the room that your spirit will do something special even now. In Jesus' name, amen.